Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. There are many types of Baptists, but being a Baptist once meant that you were a fundamentalist. Over the years, many Baptists have strayed from the fundamentals and thus attack those who remain true to the faith. This podcast will address the issues surrounding what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Somebody said, Brother House, fundamentalists are changing, aren't they? No, fundamentalists don't change. Folks quit being fundamentalists. God says when the troubles come, He said fight. You can't fight. He said withstand. You can't withstand. He said stand. What does it mean to stand? He said don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I, I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it as I said, and our granddaddy did it like that, and let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. My name is David Baker, and I'm your host. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. And I have an interesting... Uh, one for you today. I hope they all are. Uh, that's why you're here. Hopefully you can get something out of it that you can learn from or enjoy. Um, so I'm calling this um, one of the worst posts ever. That was kind. I wanted to call it one of the most stupid paragraphs I've ever read. Um, I'm not going to say who it's from and most people won't know, but uh, if uh, you do or he does, that's fine. I'm not naming his name because I'm not after him. I'm after the principles to try to help people with them. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to go through a few points, and hopefully uh, you do not believe this. It's sad to see people then that would like this and say, right on, boy, that's straight up, and boy, more of this, when it's just so wrong. So I'm going to read it through first, and then I'll go through different uh, points of it. Okay, here we are. You ready? <laughs> so one of the most stupid posts ever. Here it goes, quote, the overwhelming number of, quote, fundamental and, quote, evangelical churches have resorted to preach a gospel of cheap grace without repentance or the expectation of real lasting fruit is staggering. This error is rooted in poor soteriology practiced through sloppy evangelism and realized in the vast majority of churches losing an overwhelming number of their supposed, quote, converts back to the world, many of those, quote, converts being their own children. One would think that such staggering numbers of converts not being, quote, fruit that remains would be a cause for serious self-examination in these churches. A thorough, honest assessment of the root and practice seems to be the proper place to start, yet there seems to be an inordinate contentment with the obvious failures. 
Have we fallen so far that we have become comfortable with a 20% retention of supposed converts and even our own children who have grown up in the church? That should be absolutely unthinkable and certainly unacceptable. Maybe it's time to examine the gospel you preach and practice. The problem starts at the root. This is a theological problem at its core. So that's it. So do you think, well, yeah, that sounds okay. I hope not. Uh, If it is, uh, if you do think that, hopefully you won't think of that at the end of it. Um, So I'm going to go through phrases. I don't want to read it all again right now, but uh, we'll go through phrases that they talk about. The first one is called cheap grace. To preach a gospel of cheap grace. Um, Boy, I looked through all the verses in the Bible that talk about grace, and I never found cheap grace one time. Um, we ought to talk about what the Bible talks about, not what you think, not your uh, phrases, not things you're adding to it. There's nothing in the Bible about cheap grace. Um, I'm not personally offended. You didn't uh, talk about me. And if it was, I wouldn't personally be offended because I love thy law and nothing shall offend me. But by offended for God, yeah, I, I am. Um, that's offensive. Cheap grace, calling the grace of our God cheap No, I found in the Bible where it said all grace is given unto you. I found great grace. I found exceeding grace. I found um, grace abounding. I found sufficient grace. I found riches of his grace. I found gift of grace, manifold grace, throne of grace, true grace. And none of that is cheap grace. And I believe the song sums it up the best. It is, you got it, amazing grace. Amazing grace. What is grace? Favor goodwill, kindness, disposition to oblige another as a grant made an act of grace. Appropriately, the free and merited love and favor of God, the spring and source of all the benefits men receive from him. Favorable influence of God, divine influence or the influence of the spirit, a renewing of the heart and restraining from sin, um, the application of Christ's righteousness to the sinner. What of any of that is grace? That's all of the, almost all the definitions for or a grace in Webster's 1828 dictionary. How is that cheap grace? Cheap grace. So when I read that, I just shook my head and then looked up the guy that wrote it and then uh, looked at some of what he teaches and believes like, okay. All right. And so he's a Calvinist. By the way, uh, we will be working on, we're working on it now, but we want to put together some good, solid lessons on Calvinism. We're going to do one podcast per um, point of the five points of Calvinism. Um, I've done before in a different podcast to go through all of them, and I disagree with all five points of Calvinism, but we're going to take each point and try to do our best to go through all the things that are taught, that are said, and just totally totally blow them out of water. They are wrong. We're going to talk some about it here, um, but um, you that believe in it, you're not going to be changed from it just by this, but hopefully people don't fall into it, but this is what he's doing. Uh, and they come from a 
place of irresistible grace, that this irresistible grace comes upon you and you can't help it and you get saved and you are going to endure to the end. You're not going to fall away from God. You're not going to do wrong. You're not going to mess up. You won't be perfect, um, but you're going to stay doing right because you are one of the called and you're one of the chosen and you're going to preserve until the end uh, because you're one of the called and chosen. What they're getting at in this is you need to go back and check what you believe and you need to start teaching Calvinism, this irresistible grace. They call it cheap grace. Grace, the favor, goodness, blessing of God, all grace, great grace, exceeding grace, abundant grace, abounding in grace, sufficient grace, riches of his grace. How dare you? How dare you, with the grace of God, call it cheap grace because they're not believing in this irresistible grace, heresy that you are teaching. And yes, it is a heresy. Uh, it's amazing. People don't like that or they don't like those words, but that's that's what it is. A heresy is something that is wrong biblically. Heresy, a fundamental error in religion or an error in opinion respecting some fundamental doctrine of religion. It's heresy, okay? Um, there's damnable heresies, and then there's heresies. If you believe this, it will send you to hell. Um, this is a heresy. It may not send you to hell if you believe it, uh, but it definitely is a heresy and something that should not be taught. Um, so this grace, okay, Romans 5.20, I understand what some people do, um, and that is wrong, uh, Romans 6.1. Uh, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? We should not use the grace of God for lasciviousness, Jude 1.4. There are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God uh, and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not cheap grace. That's people who turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness. They turn it into filthiness and wickedness um, and, and saying, yeah, yeah, it's all grace. Um, we should not sin to say, well, grace is going to abound. No, God forbid. Of course, we're not supposed to do that. But we also do not take grace and make it mean what you want it to mean and call it cheap grace when it is not. Romans 5.21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, what a beautiful thing. Um, Titus 2.11, by the way, for the grace of our God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to what? <laughs> How many? Uh, all men. Oh, I know that all doesn't mean all because see, in Titus, what it's really talking about or in the original or well, historically, it's amazing when people don't like a verse from the Bible. Those are the three main things people do. Be careful for it. Yes, context. Absolutely. We should have things in context, but someone can hyper context it out where, oh, no, that doesn't apply to you. See, that was written to the Galatians and you're not a Galatian. See, that doesn't apply to you. And uh, people will do that when they don't like a verse from the Bible. Look, how else would you define this? The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. And we have a choice. We can accept it or reject it. We can accept God's grace or reject God's grace. There's too many people in the Bible that rejected it. They had a choice to choose or not. Thou almost persuades me to be a Christian. Uh, when Paul was talking to uh, one of the leaders, he said that. Uh, what's happened really is this, Galatians 1.6, I marvel 
but you are so soon removed from him that called you under the grace of Christ unto another gospel. They're the ones that need to look at what they're teaching and realize they're not teaching Bible doctrine. They're teaching Calvinism from a man, from Calvin and other people that believe that it's not biblical. There's no such thing as cheap grace. It's wonderful, loving, favor, amazing grace, and it is not cheap. We should not use the grace of God as a reason to sin, absolutely, um, but the grace is still there. And by the way, when we sin, what does God say? Huh? Uh, where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. What a beautiful thing. Then they talked about repentance and sloppy salvation, sloppy evangelism. I've talked about this some before. We did one uh, podcast on easy believism, and um, we did another one on repentance. And it's so wrong in understanding um, repentance, what it biblically is. I heard him say, yeah, repentance is turning from your sin. Okay, how many and for how long? I have never, nor have you, met anyone who has ever turned from all their sin. And if we have to turn from our sin to be saved, that is a work. The Bible preaches repentance. It does. And what is it? Repent is a verb. You can only define a verb with a verb and an adverb. I can't define it with an object of a preposition, meaning to say to run, to run, to walk fast, let's say. That's the definition. I can't say to walk fast to the store. To the store has nothing to do with defining run, to walk fast, to the store. Repent means to turn or to change. Um, I can't define it by saying to turn from your sins or to turn from smoking or turn from drinking. I'm adding a prepositional phrase, an object to that verb, and you can't define it that way. And that's what people do, to turn from your sins. Oh, yeah, you turn from drinking and smoking. What about your pride? What about your arrogance? Hello, Mr. Guy who taught this. What about your gluttony? Over 300 pounds? <laughs> Have you turned from your gluttony? Have you turned from that? It is amazing how people point their fingers at other people. Oh, yeah, they haven't turned from all their sins. And have you, your pride, your lust, your wickedness? No. Um, repentance is wrong, but that's what they're talking about. They say the cheap grace and not preaching repentance. Jesus preached it. The Bible preaches that repentance is what? Repent and believe the gospel. Turn from what you're trusting to, tr to save you, trusting in Jesus to save you. It is as simple as simple can be. I um, asked a guy the other day, he was a missionary, and uh, he showed up at our church, and we got to talk, and, and um, his family sang, and I, uh, but he made the statement about repentance, and so we talked, we took him out to eat afterwards, and, and asked him what the definition was, and he said, to turn from all your sins, and okay, and asked him these questions about that, and a few minutes later, he goes, oh, wow, I didn't think that, I didn't see that, I didn't realize that. There are people who can still understand that, but we take so many times what we've been taught and we go along with it. And to say that people haven't repented, I asked him, I said, okay, if you were gonna use one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, to show someone how to go to heaven, which one would you use? He said, oh, easy, John. Guess how many times John says repent? Zero, zero. How come? John says believe. Listen, when I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I had to turn from what I was believing in, which is repentance. I said, any book in the Bible, what would you use to show someone how to go to heaven? He said, uh, Romans. I said, okay, how many times did Romans say repent? He said, I don't know. I said, only twice, and neither of those in regard to salvation. Um, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Uh, God doesn't change about the calling uh, that he has on our life. And I said, what, is, what does Romans use? Faith. 
faith. If I have faith in Christ, then I had to turn from what I did have faith in, which is repentance. Matthew, Mark, and Luke uses from repentance some. No, I'm not afraid of the word. It's a great word, as long as you understand it and define it. But they put in repentance and sloppy evangelism because they're saying, oh, yep, when you repent, you're going to turn from all your sins. No one has ever. Let me come into your church. Let me watch you. Let me follow you for 24 hours. Let me see what you eat and what a glutton you are and see if you've really turned from all your sins. Again, I'm not naming him. If you know who it is and you know who it is, but um, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. It's not biblical. Next, um, he talks a lot in there about real lasting fruit real lasting fruit. That's the way he calls it. Or the expectation of real lasting fruit, fruit that remains. Um, There's a lot in the Bible about that. We could talk forever. The two main things of fruit, and people misunderstand, there's more in there. There's a fruit of a person um, and other things. But the two main things of the fruit is the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of a Christian. Fruit of the Spirit and fruit of a Christian. Again, there's other things. It's not definitive. 184 verses in the Bible talk about fruit, okay? Just the New Testament, 58 verses, 67 times. There's a lot in the Bible about fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Again, such there's no law. When someone gets saved, they immediately get the fruit of the Spirit. And the more they yield to the Spirit of God, the more that fruit is shown up. So somebody that was lost, hey, if you died today, do you know for sure you go to heaven? <laughs> Man, I wouldn't. I'd be in hell. They trust Christ as their Savior. Hey, if you died right now, where would you go? <laughs> wow, I'd go to heaven. Guess what they have? Peace. They have peace. They have one of the fruits of the Spirit. How come? Because they got saved and the Spirit of God now dwells in them. And the more they yield to the Spirit, the more gentleness and goodness and long suffering and faith. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, and that's what someone has when they're saved. The fruit of a Christian is another Christian. An apple tree produces apples. A Christian produces fruit, and that's what's supposed to happen. We look at someone's life and say, oh, yeah, they're not producing fruit, and they must not be saved. To judge someone in that way, no way in the world. Uh, would anybody look at Lot's life and say, yep, look at it. He's saved. <laughs> the Bible said he had a righteous soul. He trusted Messiah was going to save him. Um, you can look at many people in the Bible. Look, here's Peter, curse, sword, denied Christ. What, was he a Christian? He wasn't living it at the time. But had he trusted Jesus as his Messiah? Absolutely he had. And so the best way to understand that is the parable of the sower. And again, this would take a long time to go deep into it. I'm just going to read the um, explanation of it. Matthew 13, 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When there's four different groups here, okay, and he talks about fruit that remains in here, okay, bringing forth fruit and then fruit that remains. So, um, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which is sown in his heart, this is he that received seed by the wayside, okay? This person is not saved. They did not get saved. They heard it. Okay, but they didn't understand it. They didn't accept it. Okay, it never grew up. It never sprung up. They heard it, but they didn't understand it. The devil came and took it away. They are not saved. Okay, next, verse 20. But he that received the seed in stony places, the same is he, uh, the same is he that heareth the word and anon with joy received it. Hey, he just received the word. He just received the word of Jesus, God. He received the Lord Jesus Christ. He got saved. He heard it. He accepted it. He received it. And in the passage there, it says it sprung up. It sprung up. Wow, it grew. Okay. But it did not remain enough to bring fruit. How come? Listen carefully. 
Bible, verse 21, yet hath he no root in himself. Are there people that trust Christ as their Savior but have no personal character or root in themselves? It says, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He did not bring fruit that remained. Why? Because he had no root in himself. There are people who do not have character. Root in himself, not root in Jesus. He believed he sprung up. Okay, same words as used when the good ground, he sprung up. Okay, but he didn't bring fruit that remained because he had no root in himself. Listen, I'm to witness to everybody I can. Some will accept it, some will not. Everyone that accepts it, they trust Christ their Savior, they're saved and on the way to heaven. Then we're to try to get them baptized and to teach them all things. But if only thing that happened is they trusted Christ as their Savior, they're still saved. If they had no root in themselves, they started to grow, but oh no, persecution and tribulation came. I'm offended. And they didn't keep going for God. They're still in heaven, but they will not have the rewards that they could have had. It's that simple. They sprung up. It got saved. Well, they didn't keep going for God. Absolutely. Um, but that's a work salvation. If you have to keep going for God or you didn't get saved, um, then that's a work salvation. It sprung up. <laughs> they non with joy received it. What is that? Uh, we get joy. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Okay? He got joy. He received it. But he had no root in himself. Verse 22. He that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceits of riches choke the word and he become unfruitful. So again, that one grew, it sprung up, but it was choked by what? The care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Listen, when somebody gets saved, they're saved. They're eternally secure. They're sealed under the day of redemption. They not ha may not have rewards, okay? They're not going to have um, the fruit that remains. It said becometh unfruitful. He's not going to have fruit that remains, but he's still saved because he trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. It sprung up. It took seed. He believed it. They received it. That's what the Bible says. We like to take these and say, nope, the only ones that got saved is the last one. Really? That's not the Bible words. That's not the truth that sprung up. It took seed. They received it and joy. Okay. Um, but guess what? This world, tribulation, persecution, care of this world, deceitfulness of riches, many times people will go away from God. And we see that in the Bible over and over and over. Then verse 23, but he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it. Okay. He understood it. First one didn't. This one did, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some and hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. This is a person who had good ground, good character. The ground had been tilled up. He had been planted and watered and accepted it. And he grew and brought forth some uh, hundredfold, some 60, some 30. If you're saying those are the only ones that saved, no, that is not true. The other ones sprung up. Two of the other ones did. One didn't understand it. They didn't get saved. The other big place, again, fruit's mentioned a lot, but the other big place is John 15. I am the true vine, and my father is a husband. Every branch in me, okay, so here's a branch in Christ. They're saved. <laughs> Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So does that mean they go to hell? No, they're not get to, I preach this in our church. There are people who said, you know what? I love our church. I love what we have. I don't want to be taken away. I need to win souls. And that's what God says. If you don't win souls, hey, we don't have room for you. He's going to take you away. You're not going to get to have the truth and blessings of a church and a pastor and all the blessings that come with that if you're not going to win souls. Every branch in me, 
Okay, I'm the true man, true vine. My husband, is, my father is a husband. Every branch in me, they're saved. That beareth not fruit, he taketh away. I wonder how many people don't win souls and they're not going to get to have the blessing of a good local church and a good pastor to help them. And every branch, branch that beareth fruit, okay, again, a branch bearing fruit, what is that? That's not the fruit of the Spirit. That is the fruit. This vine, this grape is bearing grapes. This apple tree is bearing apples. This Christian is bearing Christians. They're winning people to Christ. That is what this passage is talking about. Um, every branch um, that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now what? God allows us to go through the testing and trial and purging so we can bring forth more fruit. I've got a few few fruit trees, and first God said, trim, purge, cut, prune everything off except three branches. What? Cut everything except three branches. Why? So it can bring forth more fruit. So it can bring forth more fruit. That's what the Bible says here. It's fruit. It's producing. Now we want you to bring forth more. So God's going to bring us through tests and trials and things to try our faith so we do more for God. Um, now are you clean through the word which I have spoken to you? Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. We need to abide in Christ. We need to stay connected, plugged into him, his word, his heart, his passion. Um, let me skip down. Um, um, without me, you can do nothing. By the way, burn and cast into the fire. There are two types of fires. There's a fire of hell when we do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's also the fire that's going to try our works to see what sort it is. And boy, if all we did was live for ourselves and didn't bring forth fruit, but trusted Christ our Savior, we'll be saved. Yet the Bible says so as by fire. The fire is going to come through and burn all of our worldly works up. That's what I live my life for, and it's gone. And I'll be standing in the ashes before the Lord, ashamed. I didn't live for him and love him and serve him and do more of what he wanted me to do. And then again, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. It's amazing how people put different requirements or this level of salvation. Um, do you have to bear much fruit to be saved? No. You don't bear, have to bear any fruit to be saved. To be saved, you accept Jesus as your Savior, and you get the fruit of the Spirit. Then when you use that fruit of the Spirit and show other people the love of God that they can be saved, now you're bearing fruit. And when you do bear fruit, now God is going to purge you, so you bring forth more fruit. And then if you abide in Christ, then you're going to bring forth much fruit, and that's how the Father is glorified. How many Christians have never led someone to Christ? Are you going to tell me they're not saved? How many Christians bring forth much fruit? Very few. Very few. And if we don't, then what God is going to do, he's going to chasten us. Hebrews twelve eleven. Now, no chasing for the present seemed to be joyous, but grievous. But afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable, what? Fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Here's a person who's not doing right, but they're a child of God. They're one of the children. Guess what God's going to do? He's going to chasten them. And it will bring a different type fruit, a fruit of righteousness, where they are going to start living right. How dare you judge somebody that went away from God and said, oh, they're not saved, they're not saved, they're not saved. Really? You have no idea how God's chasing them. His child that went away from God. We'll talk about that a little more. Um, and so, yeah, you got to keep them. Fruit that remains, they give us 20%. How dare we be uh, okay with only 20% of our so-called converts and our children staying with God? Um, interesting. How many did Jesus keep? Jesus, he's like our example. How many did he keep? Okay. Um, at one time, Matthew 26, 55, in that same hour, 
said Jesus to the multitudes, are you come out against me as with swords and staves to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple. You laid no hands on me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all, all the disciples forsook him and fled. How many? All of them. When Jesus was on his way to be crucified, how many were with him? None. They all went away. Huh. Were they not saved? How many did Jesus keep at that time? None. Why? Because of persecution and tribulation. Exactly what the parable talked about. Now, of those 12, he got 11 back. How many of the 70 remained? Remember the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us for thy name. Where are they at? How many of the 70 did he keep? Um, how many of the disciples did he keep? Uh, John six sixty six. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Hmm. Then said Jesus unto the 12, will ye also go away? Um, how many of the 70 did he keep? How many of the 12? At one time, he lost them all. Uh, he got 11 of them back. That's very key. When someone does not continue and their fruit is not remaining, or how you're just saying it, they don't stay in church. Do I say they're not saved? Absolutely not. We love them. We care about them. We go after them like Jesus did. Okay. Even after the resurrection and, and Peter sees Jesus and knows he's alive, he quits the ministry and goes fishing. What does Jesus do? Go after him. Go after him, took care of his physical needs, gave him fish, gave him warmth, gave him fire, gave him food, and then said, hey, I need you. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Um, uh, hey, of the 5,000 that ate the fish, how many did he keep? Or the 4,000, how many did he keep? Or the 12 lepers, how many of those came back to thank him? You said, oh, how are we satisfied with 20%? Guess what Jesus said? Of the 10 lepers that uh, he uh, healed, how many came back? One. One came back to thank him. How many did Jesus keep? Or, oh, you're, you're better than Jesus. Um, what did Paul do? For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved what? This present world. Same thing the parable talked about. The one that didn't understand, they're not saved. The other two are. But tribulation, persecution, care of this world, deceitfulness of riches, people go away. And they do. They go away. It happens. It happened to Paul. It happened to Jesus. It happened to us. Hey, uh, well, you need to evaluate. He said, we need to evaluate what we're teaching, evaluate our doctrine. Let me ask you, how many did Moses have that went away? How many did Moses lose on the way to the promised land? Okay. All of the adult men, what, over 40 except two? How many did he lose? Uh, let me help you. Was Paul, what, was Moses not teaching them the right way? <laughs> or were the people hard-hearted? and selfish, and worldly coming out of Egypt. Hello. It's amazing what you, oh, well, the people aren't staying in church. You need to change your doctor and become a Calvinist. Now you got a good excuse. Ah, they weren't one of the chosen. Ah, they didn't continue with us. They weren't saved. How judgmental and wrong doctrine is that? You see so many people in the Bible who do not continue to go forward for God. It does not mean they are not saved. Um, was Moses teaching wrong or were they hard-hearted? Uh, Moses, boy, you had a lot of bad fruit. You had a lot of people that went away. You need to reevaluate what you're teaching. <laughs> really? Uh, how about Jeremiah? Man, one of the best preaching books in the Bible, man. That guy could preach truth, word of God, inspired. What? How many converts? How many people did he reach? How many people listened to him? Jeremiah, you need to reevaluate what you're teaching. 
you ought to be ashamed of yourself for saying that because we don't see the fruit that we think that we want, then you go and evaluate and change to some other gospel that's a false doctrine? Noah, how about him? How much fruit? His kids, three boys and their wives, that's it. That's it, 120 years. Man, not much fruit there, Noah. You need to examine what you're preaching. Listen, our job is to preach the word of God. It's their job to accept it. Our job is to preach and try to help them to grow. It's their job if they want to accept that and grow or not. It's amazing. Preach the word, whether the people will listen or not. A couple more. Um, The questioning your salvation, questioning your soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. Oh, you got to do that. Meaning, uh, just go and accept Calvinism. Just teach that. Some are chosen, some are not. No, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God so the world he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I know you've got an answer for all those. We're going to cover those later. But you do not question your doctrine, your gospel, your salvation, just because some people are not growing and they're not going forward for God. And then lastly, and I think this is going to summarize all that. They talked often, twice in there, about your own children. Your own children. Your own children aren't even going for God. See? So what? You need to change your doctrine because your children aren't going forward for God? What is he saying? What he's saying is that your doctrine needs to change. The reason why your kid went away, reason why your, your kid fruit didn't remain, listen carefully, because God chose your son to go to hell. He wasn't one of the chosen. He wasn't one of the elected for heaven. The reason why he's not living right, the reason why he didn't stay in church is because he's headed to hell and he couldn't get saved if he wanted to because he was not one of the elect predestined chosen to be saved. And that's what they believe. And that's horrible. No, it's not that he wasn't elect or predestined or chosen to 